My guest today is a best-selling author, a hair esteem coach, and a self-esteem coach. Please welcome Janae Anderson. Janae, how's it going? It's going well. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fine. Everything's good. Great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you, Janae, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So let's jump right into it. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wear Marietta hats, but I am a new author. I am a hair esteem coach and a self-esteem coach in advocate for children. And, of course, a mother and a wife. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, lots of hats there. Right. <laughs> now, a new author, and this is a best-selling book, correct? Yes. It's a new yes. author, best-selling book on your first book. So can you talk about the book and your inspirations on writing this book? Absolutely, absolutely. The book is called I Love My Curls. I released the book Black Friday, actually, of, of last mm. year. First book. Beat out Frozen. You know, I was a superhero in the house to my daughter. She <laughs> loved Frozen. And she's like, Mom, you beat out Frozen? Absolutely. So it was a, a dream come true. But what inspired me to write this book is this standard of beauty that we all try to live up to is just an impossible thing. And the experience to me is so unique. Being a mom now and looking at it through my daughter's eyes now, I have a 21-year-old and I have a five-year-old. That's that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking. We could have been home free, but we love our nonetheless. But so seeing it from the guise of a 21-year-old and a five-year-old, I'm like, wow, things have really changed. And what has changed for them is this thing called the internet. You know, yeah. not only are our children looking at, you know, television programming, they're, they, they have this internet. And we have this thing called bullying. Bullying is new. It's it's evolved. And talking to other parents, having the same concerns, it's so sad so early on. We, we see children talking about or having issues with body image. They're having issues with their hair because the standard of, of beauty is, you know, your hair has to be long and flowing, no curls. You have to be a size of a number two pencil. And most of us just don't fit into that. Um, category. So I'm, I thought, well, if I am not the only parent who has dealt with this herself as a child and moving into womanhood, why not start having this conversation with children? Mm-hmm. How can we do this? How can we broach this conversation? Because when you're speaking to little ones, it's really hard to have these really complex conversations. It's hard for them to understand. But I'm like, hey, if they're learning languages from birth to five and, and they're developing personality, why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? I thought I was doing a great job with my oldest daughter, only to find out when she was transitioning from middle school to high school, she was really struggling with herself and her image, and she wasn't that perfect fit for what the young men were looking for. You know, she's an attractive girl, but they were looking for different things and getting those messages in school amongst your peers, getting those messages the television it was 
really, 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 really a thing where she was digesting more of those negative images than the positive ones. Right. So I wanted to combat that. So that's where the inspiration came from. I wanted this book to be not only a storybook for, for little girls, I wanted it to be an education for parents to sort of relearn how to care for style and broach this thing called self-image and self-love. There's lots of affirmations. There's lots of education. There's a resource guide teaching caregivers of how to care for curls, kinks, and coils, Mm because most of us have them. Yeah, I am African-American, but yet I do think that this book is universal regardless. Mm -hmm. I have not only African-American people, I have multiracial families. I have women and girls of all different races who have curly mm-hmm. hair. We all use the same products. We all have the same struggles. We all know what it's like to walk out in, in humidity and we all come back in the house looking like poodles. You know? <laughs> so you know, a lot of people resonate with it and that's where my inspiration came from. Mm, okay, all right. And now what's the age group for the book? I would definitely say it would probably be for me, probably from about zero to, I would say maybe 10. Okay. Now, I do think older kids can read it because actually the, the book is almost 40 pages, but the story in itself is only like 10 pages. Right. I didn't even name the character because that wasn't my focus. The focus was the education right. and the affirmations and the activities that sort of gave structure to the overall mission of the book yep i wanted to have not only a female character who loved herself who loved her hair i didn't want her to be like a damsel in distress for young girls that was great to see and for little black girls and brown girls they had a character that was in their image you know that they identified with which is wonderful because i think we're moving into the space now where we're all appreciating different cultures and we want to learn yeah. And we learn. So that was the biggest thing for me. But I get a lot of great feedback just about the affirmations and that resource guide. I mean, because yeah. when you're altering and changing your hair mm-hmm. for so long, we actually forget what comes out of our scalps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it is a journey to learn how to care for it and love it. Well, that's great. It's great that you started this because of you wanting to you know, promote that self love and kind of combat that the image of what the typical beauty is and this ended up being a bestseller and as you said beating frozen so talk to us about that when you found out how well received this book was let me tell you you know i i just looked at it as i'm just a mom Mm -hmm. i am the expert on my life and things that i do to help my children deal with life deal with complex issues and I didn't think anything other than that. It was just my voice, my experience that I wanted to share with the world. I saw that there was an opening to do it and talk, like I said earlier, talking to other parents, this was, this is a point of contention. You know, we all, we don't want our girls walking around feeling defeated and they're less than. And when I found out on the first day that it was released, that it be frozen and I was getting all these messages and, It was like, it it was just a moment for me that I had to say to myself, you know what, the same things that you're preaching, why would you not think it would be, (laughs) you know, a bestseller? But I think I'm just such a practical, down-to-earth person, and I was trying to be so humble, but it made me really, really realize that this message really needs to be um, put out there. People are really craving 
this information and this education. And I'm not the only one that writes books about self-love. I'm not the only one that writes books about self-esteem or, and I'm an or, you know, advocate for it. We had books like Hair Love. There's so many books, you know, we have just tons of books about redheads and curly hair. And it, it's just so much out there, but it's my voice. It's my own creative masterpiece. And that's the way that I got my message through. It was just awesome seeing that I was actually being a voice for, um, you know, parents and, 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 and their young girls. Right, right. No, that's great. Now, can you talk to us about that whole process of writing this book? I, I guess from the beginning, are you you know, coming up with the ideas, you're outlining, you're talking to people and and just the whole process all the way through. And and how were you able to do this? This is your first book. So did you have help? Did you have mentors? Just talk about that. You know what? Um, I'm going to be honest. And I've always had a knack for writing. I've always had a knack for writing. I've always been somewhere between an introvert and an extrovert. To, and I'm a people watcher. Mm-hmm. And... I take in everything, like the air we breathe when we step outside. And that is how the book came along for me. It became me sort of watching television programs, reading things, talking to people, my own experiences. And I said, there's there's a need for this. I pondered about it maybe for a good year or two before I actually did it. Mm. Because I guess the first thought was, just to write it as a normal story. I I didn't think about the resource guide. I didn't think about the affirmations initially. Those things actually came afterward because as I had more conversations, as you've seen a lot of the things that were going viral, like kids not being able to participate in sports because they have locks in their hair or Mm -hmm. kids taking themselves out of this world because of the way that they look and the bullying. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) This has to be more than your typical story. I want it to be something that's actually not only going to tell a story, but actually going to be powerful. I wanted to be like a movement because I felt really passionate about it. And the worst thing, when you have a kid that's struggling with self-esteem, that's being bullied, me being bullied at, at points in my life, because, you know, I, I came from the Midwest and I moved into the great city of Philadelphia, but there were a lot of differences then. Um, I was still wearing ponytails. You know, but the kids here, they were wearing like, you know, adult hairstyles. They're going to the salon and I'm still coming here. I'm happy with my pigtails and Dutch braids, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, and I'm still playing with Barbie dolls at like 10 and 11. But when you move into a new environment, it was a, it was a cultural shock. So I could just relate. And those are the experiences that I use to develop this story. And there really wasn't a process because I knew what I wanted to say. Mm. I really knew what I wanted to say. But as far as the character, I purposely didn't name her because I feel like she's every girl. This mm. was my love letter to every girl. You know, every girl that's ever experienced low self-esteem, who's ever been bullied, who feels that she's not enough, that she's unattractive, whatever they're feeling, and you know, trying to meet this impossible standard of beauty. So I, I, I purposely did not name her. I wanted it to resonate in that way. It could be any girl, regardless of the fact that she's a little brown girl here. But I began, the words just came. The words just came. It's actually a morph of both of my daughters, yeah. the kids that I developed. That's great. 
Yeah, and then I just started to write it. I, I, I probably wrote that book in like two days. The resource guide was just practical things that I know in, and I use in my research, talking to professional hairstylists, people who are used to working with curly hair. So it came from all those types of uh, sources, and I put it all in the book. Nice. <laughs> all right. And now... You said you had that knack for, always had that knack for writing, and there wasn't really a process, but you're working with editors and publication and advertising and all that now. So were there any surprises to you in, in this whole process? Yeah, actually it was. The one thing about children's books is it's a lot because you have to really think about the colors that you're going to use. Mm. You're going to think about the presentation, because those are the things that attract children. Yeah. You have to really think hard about the words you're going to use. I always use rhyming words because I'm speaking to younger children. These are words, you know, that kids are going to remember because it kind of comes yeah. out very poetically to them, you know, and it's going to stick in their minds. But I do remember when I was getting the book, because I'm, I'm a self-published author, okay. but when I was getting the book printed, I remember it coming back. They, they were saying, they kept saying that, I had to change certain colors and this, that, and the third. And I really wasn't expecting all that because I initially came out digitally. Then I wanted to release, you know, the, the paperback, but it took several weeks. I had pre-orders and I'm like, okay, I'm going to drop this in November by, you know, maybe before Christmas, the book will be out. But I remember having to go through so many changes with the pages because it's too much black here, too much dark green there. And, oh. You know, the size and the font had to be this way and that way. Going in, I really did not think it would be that difficult. Yeah. Books, it's just not like an adult book where you just got all black and white letters and you got you got to worry about the cover. No, you're talking about illustrations, not on the cover, on the back, all through the book. So it was mind-boggling, but we got through it. <laughs> that is the one thing. <laughs> that was the one thing that drove me crazy, and it really sort of suppressed the speed of the actual paperback at the onset being being released. Right. Okay. So you had those, I guess, issues with the paperback. The book itself, you said it took two days. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were done, was it just, you knew you were done and that's it? Or did you keep editing for a while and, and looking through it and trying to over-edit? Or you just knew you were done? I knew I was done. I okay. knew I was done. You get this feeling when, you're, when you write things that you mm. know it was done. The only thing I was struggling with was, are the people going to like it? Are they going to eat this mm -hmm. up? Is it going to resonate with them? Those are the things that always, when I write things, I worry about because you just never know how it's going to appeal to your audience. And I was thinking, this is a very niche type of book to begin with. I didn't want anyone to feel excluded, but let's be real. It's coming from my voice. There's an African-American character. For some people, I, I, I was afraid that they may just think, if this book's not for me. Mm. But thank goodness it was embraced by everybody, and That's great. I was just yeah, I, I was I was just amazed that they didn't look at it as just a quote unquote you know black book. Or, right. And I, I was just amazed. I think that was the one thing that I was most concerned about, and the the most thing that gave me anxiety is just like okay, it's done. I know it's done. I'm not gonna obsess. There's nothing more I can do to the right. <laughs> to this book in, in hindsight when I'm thinking um, but those are the only things I think I was mostly concerned about and then to be um, an Amazon's bestseller and beating out Frozen on my first day that just solidified that yep <laughs> you did you did the right thing that it was perfect just the way it was well you definitely did <laughs> so can you talk about what a, a typical day of yours looks like 
Oh, you know what? One of the best things about being a writer is that you can write anywhere. Mm. As long as you're comfortable, you're inspired, and your creativity is able to sort of get that energy and electricity, you're good. I mean, I will say this COVID-19 thing has really sometimes makes me angry because Sometimes I like I am a nature person, so right. it's nothing for me to take my book or, or my laptop or my phone and go sit in um, the park mm-hmm. and write. We have a wonderful national state park with all the trails, and, and, and there's something about water that's so calming to me. Yeah. And I write some of my best stuff just sitting outside, or going to like a coffee shop sometimes, you know, and just drinking, watching people. You know, living in a city is a great place to watch people, but we can't do that now. Mm-hmm. So now I've had to pivot and shift and figure out new ways to, you know, sort of people watch and get that creativity. And one of the wonderful things is, and, and that's one of the next books that I'm working on right now, because we're in this, this COVID-19 thing. Before we started, we were sort of talking about this whole remote learning situation. It's an adjustment. It's something that all parents can relate to and it makes for a very cute, cute, cute story. Mm-hmm. And so this is so practical and that's what I'm saying. When I write these stories, they're actually things I live every day and I experience and I think that's why they come across so down to earth and relatable to folks. But that's exactly the, one of the wonderful things about being writers, just being able to be anywhere. Yeah. You know, I've definitely had to pivot because right when I released the book, there was a lot of marketing and media that I had. So the week after my media <laughs> and marketing tour started, we could not go anywhere. So I was only able to do our Good Day Philadelphia show here in um, Philadelphia that's on the Fox Network. I did that. It was the day after Matthew Cherry won. Was it the Oscar? He won, I think it was the Oscar. I think so. Yeah, for his book. So it was like perfect timing, but then I, I couldn't do my book signing. I couldn't do any of those things. Yeah. So I had to get really creative and really be engaged with social media. So it, it's really changed the way that I, I operate on a day-to-day basis. But what, I, what I've done differently is um, I'm an avid, avid reader. I'm always reading something. I'm always on social media looking at what people are talking about, really paying attention to the news. And just sort of just watching like my, my own family and how we're adjusting to this new thing. So I get a lot of creative ideas from, from, from that. Well, that's great. It, you know, just talking to you, you can tell that whenever there's certain doors that are closed in front of you, you don't just leave it like that. You find oh. ways to get around it, open it, whatever. You adjust and pivot, as you say. So I, I love that. <laughs> and now, so with the different environments that you're in or the different moods that you can be in, I guess that can affect what you're writing. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. You know, some of the news stories I, as a writer, it depends on where I'm going with it, but but because I write children's books, a lot of the books are upbeat. They're Mm -hmm. happy. They're not sad. So I have to pull away from the news sometimes because it's, Unfortunately, yeah. kill, kill, you know, yeah. hate, hate, and I, I can't operate because it does something to me. If I'm feeling sort of down, that comes through. So yeah. usually what I'll do with that, I write a lot of poetry and I write my thoughts out to sort of release that because I think we need to. And sometimes, I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about 2020, but I, I just feel like a lot of these things, um, they really affect me more than ever really felt it you know and so you have to find ways to release it so um you know writing my thoughts out um writing how i feel about things talking to other people um they really um 
help me stay creative so I can get back to writing the children's books and I can bring that love and that happiness and the cutesy stuff <laughs> you know, that you have to put in the book because you don't really want to bring that energy unless you're talking about a hard topic, maybe like death or something, which is unfortunately something that we have to talk to our little ones about. Right. I've had that conversation with this this pandemic with my five-year-old. It's such a hard conversation. I'm yes. gets it, but you know, you really do have to have these conversations. So, I mean, I, I guess to a certain point, you know, you have to sort of be able to pivot and, and yeah. be able to sort of get your mind right. <laughs> but it, it, it's hard. You do have to be in, in, in a particular um, mental state and an emotional state to really write children's books. It's yeah. Writing a more uplifting, because I deal with more joyful topics, self-esteem, you know, and all those types of good things. So. Well, that's great. That's great advice. Writing poetry or writing anything to release those negative thoughts and moods before yeah. you, so you can get into that mindset to write your children's books. That's great. All right. Now, can you talk about skill sets and characteristics that you think are most important to be a successful writer? You definitely have to love, 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 love people. Like I said, I am somewhere between an introvert and an extrovert. <laughs> I love being in, around people because I learn so much mm -hmm. tell different types of people and their experiences and so I can tie that into my thoughts um I love when I'm alone too because I'm alone with my thoughts and I can be the most creative I have tons of journals tons of notebooks I always have my laptop open nothing for me to grab my phone and I'm I'm writing it down because you know by the time I get home and I'm in the grocery store and I'm picking up a frozen pizza by the time I get in line get back to the car it's, right. I, you know I got to take off my mask it's gone so I'm like oops right right that could be and I don't know if I'm going to use it next week next story but I know some somewhere some way I will come back to it you definitely have to have a love for writing as well and a way to entertain people I think when stories really resonate well with people, it's because you have a good grasp on words, language, you're a great communicator, and you know how to take that and create something so powerful that people want to read it. They want to be a part of it. They're entertained by it. They're educated by it. So you definitely have to be one of those people. You definitely have to be okay because you're. everyone's not going to like what you do <laughs> you know there's critics there's reviews if you're a type of person who can't take constructive criticism if you are not a person that is not used to the word no this is probably not the business for you and if you're looking to make a whole lot of money like some of us lucky i've been lucky with my book because I've, I've had great sales sales are great sales are important but when your book's not selling or doing well for some people that could be a defeating thing I say when you write, what's the most wonderful thing to me when someone writes a review or sends me a video review and I'm looking at a little girl say, that character looks like me or I love your book and they're smiling and they're laughing and they're actually reading the words that I wrote. I cry every time. Mm. It, I guess when, when, when you're just, when you feel like I'm just a mom, this is, yeah. you know, this is, this was a, a project of love for me. It was a love letter mm. of mine to my daughters and to all girls and to see that they get it and it's actually helping them. Oh my gosh. Like that is the best thing um, as a writer 
and especially if you're not afraid to put your work out, never be afraid to put your work out. Mm -hmm. Don't hold it. Someone's going to love it. Someone needs it. And if you're hoarding it, the world will never know you. You'll never know whose life you're going to change and just stay creative and, and guys in your own paper don't worry you know how many people write books about hair and and self-esteem but you have to find that one thing that no one else is doing and with my book i think the one thing that i've never seen anyone do is provide that resource guide mm. and that was the one thing that i i tuned into so you, you sort of have to be a wordsmith but you have to really love people you have to really be creative with telling your story, but you also, if you're doing something in a realm where a lot of people are doing it, you really have to find that thing that no one has done and hone in on that thing. Don't try to do what everyone else is doing. Hone in on that one thing that you do really, really well and keep doing it, you know, mm -hmm. till the time comes for you to, you know, switch and pivot to do something. Because right now I'm pining with the idea of, because I talked to so many parents of maybe writing some books for parents. So that's sort of a new, a new thing for me, but I can still talk about the same topics, but it's just going to be, of course, because I'm speaking to adults, the layout is going to be much different and the conversation is going to be much different because I'm, I'm speaking to parents. So right. can't be afraid to, to move and you'll be amazed with the different things that come out of, of writing a book that you'll, you'll get, you'll start to get into. <laughs> Wow, that is great advice. You know, just holding on to what you do well. Don't be afraid to move and just getting out there and doing it. Yeah. Now, you answered part of this, but what do you love about what you do? Oh, what I love about what I do is that I'm, I'm actually helping people. Mm. My thoughts, my experiences are actually helping people in changing lives. It's changing my life. This book has really been a catalyst for me as well. It's created a businesswoman. Yep. Who thought? We <laughs> <laughs> created a businesswoman because this book has led me to begin to create coursework mm -hmm. for those who need it based around the subject. I do a lot of talks. I've been doing lots of podcasts like yours, mm. you know, talking about the book, talking about this mission, this advocacy of helping children have better self images of themselves. So that's what I love, just the actual being able to create something that's helping people. Nice. All right. What about challenges? What challenges are there out there for you? Uh, I know you mentioned with the paperback situation, what happened there? What other challenges have there been for you? Um, I think because my book is a very niche book, it targets a particular audience. I think the marketing for me has to be very strategic because I have to promote and market the book in a way that allows people to understand that this is a book for everyone. So a lot of things that I do that may be not traditional ways of marketing, I actually use social media a lot. And I talk to people who are in the hair industry. You mm -hmm. wouldn't think a book. You're talking to people. Well, guess what? I'm talking about people loving their hair and their curls and their natural hair. So why wouldn't I? Those are the audiences that I need. That is what makes my book very unique. I really have to engage people in conversation. It's more than just buy my book, buy my book. Right. What are your experiences? Share it with me, sharing my own experiences, caring for my daughter's hair, talking a lot about 
my journeys and a lot of my own personal hangups, I have to be very strategic with that because that is what people want to hear. Mm. You know, I don't see that as much with just a quote unquote traditional book. So I do find that is that one thing that that's a little hard, especially dealing with the pandemic, because now I can't get out. So every day I'm, I'm thinking of new ways to present this content on social media and to engage with people. And it can be hard because people have a million one things to do, <laughs> but it works. It definitely works. I've met amazing people doing it, but I will say it's difficult. It's, it's hard and you have to be up for that. To, you know, for, for doing that work and, and, and hitting the ground running. I can't wait to things open up a lot more so I can actually really get out there and, and go into schools and talk. But, you know, even in the pandemic, I reach out to schools. You'll have people allow you to, they'll have like an author, you can, you know, for the day and they'll, mm. you know, buy your books, you know, lots of them sometimes, organizations. So you just have to be a very proactive person. Mm-hmm. And I, but it is hard and it, it can be very <laughs> stressful at times because sometimes you'll, you'll get a big fat no. People are scared. People don't, they don't want to really be bothered because there's enough stuff on their plate trying to adjust to a pandemic and, mm-hmm. and everyone's trying to deal with the remote learning and teachers and right. organizations. So, you know, I, I'm a people person. So that's when that communication comes in and, you know, those communication skills rather come in and, um, I just don't have a whole, you know, problems. But yeah, people tell me you know, all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's just part of the game, you know, right. what you do. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And those no's can turn into yeses, depending yeah. on your attitude and just how proactive you are. So, and persistent. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think you mentioned this before, but the student, the kid who was told to cut off his dreadlock to wrestle, did that make you think about writing a book for boys? Actually, that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. Yeah, because I think too much when we talk about beauty, we talk about standards of beauty, rather, um, we, we, we have a tendency to only focus on the girls. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of dads, I have a lot of mothers who say that their sons are dealing with these issues. Mm-hmm. And young men deal with body issues, they deal with, with hair issues. <laughs> so boys go through the same thing. It's no different. And I do think that there is a double standard and it's something definitely that my next project, I, I kind of wanted to be part of the series, but it's going to be for boys. I'm going to write a very similar, similar book for, for younger boys, because there's definitely a need. And just like the stories that we, we talked about, you know, yeah. young man not being able to participate in sports just over a hairstyle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a conversation that that needs to um be had you know and to support and uplift young men who are experiencing those types of things well can't wait yeah yeah oh great great thank you <laughs> uh, so can you talk about one of your most memorable moments i would say um actually being able to say that i am an author actually do yeah. it you know it's one thing to think about it it's one thing to ponder on it but when you actually do it and you and you make it real yes i always crack up because you know a mom's gonna be a mom when i walk into my mom's house she's actually got like a you, you know those holders that you put the plates on mm-hmm. she bought one and put my book on it 
So every time I walk in there, it, and so to see that my mom is so happy and so proud because that from the time I was a little girl, I have journals from like when I was like first grade on up, you know, like I've always written and it's something I've always wanted to do. And to see that not only am I happy, but to see that my mom's happy and, and to see other people talk about it, it's, I think that's my proudest moment that I've actually mm. accomplished this. I actually did it. I wasn't afraid. I put what I created out there to be judged, mm -hmm. um, to be torn apart. Yeah. <laughs> but people loved it. People loved it. It did not matter because the underlining message is something that we all can relate to. You know, love yourself. Love yourself the way that God created you. You know, it's nothing wrong with it. And I'm happy that we're making this shift and, you, we, and it seems as if we're starting to move in a better direction. So maybe life for my youngest moving forward, maybe it won't be such a hard, <laughs> you right. know, road to loving yourself. Maybe we can say, yes, there's all different types of, of beauty. You know, it, it's okay. Yeah. Inspired to this one thing. Yeah. Right, exactly. And you did it. I love that you weren't afraid that you took that leap. And it shows others that if you have a passion, don't be afraid take that leap. And just go for it. Like you said earlier. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing for creatives. I've always been a creative person. You keep things under wraps mm -hmm. because you don't want to expose your innermost thoughts. You don't want to be judged. And for a creative to cross that line, um, any, anyone who's a creative will understand. I don't care if you paint, you write, you, you know, you, you create movies. To, to put that out there, to be judged, and people are entertained and they actually get it, man, that's an experience. And everyone's not going to be famous, but it doesn't matter. I, I think regardless, you know, if, if fame comes from it or, or not, I, I think that feeling of finally being brave enough to put it out there and, and, and in its completion and people love it. I, I, I almost can't put it into words. You know, it's, it's this euphoria that, you know what? Okay. I've got something here. I'm going to continue to, sh to share my talents with the world. Now what for you for doing that, putting yourself out there, was it baby steps for you? Like, did you at first have your, your family read it or close friends and give you feedback? And then from there it helps you to um, go ahead and, it was, I would say it was definitely baby steps because it's an idea and a concept that I toyed with for a very long time. Life has a way of getting in the way. I was working um, in human resources, so I had to kind of juggle work. And so there was a lot of excuses. Now, looking in hindsight, the excuses was just my fear mm. because I don't care if you're working a job. When you come home, there are times where I could have sat down and wrote the book, but I chose not to because I was afraid. Right. I was afraid to put it to paper I, because I thought, who am I? You know, it was yeah. a bit of that imposter syndrome feeling, I think, for a minute. But I just did it. Once I began to do it, that motivation, the fever to, to get it done and to get it out, talking to people, it, I don't know, it just changed. I think once you put it into action, mm -hmm. that is where all that fear just goes somewhere <laughs> far away as you know um but there was babies because I, I do think that I, there was a lot of fear for me at the onset and a lot of allowing things to get in the way mm -hmm. but i'm happy i did it I, that's, I, I that's good so that's natural that fear is natural yes. just making sure you get over it okay yeah, you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well hold you back for right <laughs> right all right so janae we're at the end of this interview 
I want to ask you some quick hitter questions for fun to get to know you a little bit better. But before we do, I want to see if there's anything else that you would like to discuss or anything you think I might have left off asking you? The only thing I would say right now, I, I'm actually taking pre-orders. I have a I Love My Curls box. It is for people to practice more self-love. You know, I have my book. I have some merch um, surrounded around my book in it and some great natural products for your hair and your skin by uh, Black Indigo Natural. So everything's natural. Everything is to promote this thing of self-love. Take care of yourself. It's, it's for everyone can do it it's for it's for kids it's for their caregivers girls boys so that's one thing that i'm doing right now just sort of add a little something extra to the book and it's a great time for back to school so that's definitely what i'm doing right now and you know they could go to i love my curls box to pre-order that if they would like okay great yeah all right so let's go to these quick hitter questions yeah first one what's your favorite sports team the Eagles. All right. <laughs> What's your favorite movie or show? Ooh, Shawshank Redemption is my favorite movie. Yeah, I oh. hate that a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to see that over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> favorite, mu- favorite musical artist or group? Uh, my favorite musical artist or group. Ooh, gee whiz. Ooh, that's a good one. Because I love so many people. I'm going to say Elton John. All right. Hands down, I... I, I I was able to see his last performance. Oh, you did? It was the best concert I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Favorite vacation spot? Um, I would probably say Florida. (laughs) Florida would probably be my favorite vacation spot. All right. And last, favorite food or drink? My favorite food would definitely be potatoes, french fries in particular. I, I don't care if they're fried. I don't care if it's baked. I'm going to eat me a potato. <laughs> <laughs> I love potatoes. <laughs> nice. Well, Janae, this has been great. I love how you're helping people. I love all that you do for kids. It's all over, all different type of kids all around the world. And I have two nieces. I'm going to buy I Love My Curls immediately for them. And I can't wait for your book on the boys as well. And just thank you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And can you talk, uh, before we go, can you just tell people where you can, you mentioned the coursework that you do and some talks. Can you talk about where people can go to find out about some of this coursework, the talks, and then uh, merchandise again, where they can go? Definitely, definitely. On social media, on both Instagram and Facebook, I kept it very simple. You can find me, anything book-related, at I Love My Curls Book, mm. okay? The website's the same, ilovemycurlsbook.com. If you want to follow me on my personal pages, because sometimes there's other things that I do, I like to keep it separate. On Facebook, you can find me at Janae Anderson. On Instagram, you can find me at Mrs. Janae Anderson Mm -hmm. to find out any other projects. There's a lot of things that I do outside of the book that that are coming up. or You'll find a lot of things about the course that's coming up. I'm actually going to start doing that in October. So a lot of good things coming. So follow me, guys. And if anyone has questions about hair or whatever, you know, want to share your stories with me, feel free. Feel free to you know, find me on social media and I'll I'll answer you right on back. (laughs) That's perfect. All right. Well, great. Thanks again and have a good one. You too. All right. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.